Welcome to Cooper and Carey Have Words. It's great to be back with you. And my name is James Carey. I'm the Carey half. And again, frustratingly close, but not present, (laughs) is Barry Cooper over there in Epsom. Hello to you, Barry. Hello, James. Lovely to see you. And absurdly close to you over in Leatherhead is the pastor of Grace Church called John Herring. Hello, John. Hello. We're thrilled that you're able to join us because we're going to talk about jazz. And uh, just to fill people in very quickly, John used to be a secondary school teacher. Was it a music teacher? It was music, yeah. Yeah, you studied music um, at the University of Southampton and then have ended up in the ministry, but have also used music, in particular jazz, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, as an evangelistic tool but one of our bugbears as listeners will know is does art always have to be evangelistically useful what about arts for art's sake so John why don't you just tell us about uh, how you got into music what that looks like for you and and how you've pivoted towards jazz within that so I, I grew up in a house where my dad was a music teacher so I followed his footsteps um, he taught me piano from a young age uh, but what I really wanted to do after hearing Phil Collins was play drums. Um, so uh, drums. Was it a particular Phil Collins track or album that did it? Uh, but seriously, I think, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Great album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think it's it's embarrassing to admit you're a, a fan of Phil Collins these days, isn't it? But um, No, I think it's come out the other side. I think it? you're yeah. right now. Yeah, five years okay. ago, not so cool. Now okay. you're good. Yeah, that's okay. right. Gated reverb for the win. say two late 40s men yeah no Phil Collins is fine it's fine everyone says Phil Collins is fine yeah it's fine again yeah Yeah. drums became my favorite instrument grew up playing loads of music and actually my drum teacher was a famous jazz vibes player uh, which is fairly niche but he played with Ronnie Verrill he recorded the drums for the Muppets Uh, whoa okay now you're talking our language yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, so I met him a couple of times absolutely fascinating man um, walked with a hunch uh, he was about he must have been in his late 70s when I met him and he, he used to drive a sports car uh, rock up to these gigs and kind of get out of this sports car in this hunch <laughs> position and then just remain in that hunch position for the rest of the evening but um, yeah I had the privilege of, of actually playing alongside him which was yeah very inspiring um, I, I played regularly in a, in a jazz orchestra run by this guy called Roger Nobes, jazz vibe player, and that was really where my my passion for jazz uh, came. I, I was first of all I was a percussionist and sat behind a, a drummer who was a few years older than me and learned everything I knew from him. Uh, went to university and carried that on really. So jazz in particular was always your preferred, was it? The thing about jazz, and as that's what we're talking about, is it's it's kind of the the pinnacle of performance for I guess contemporary music uh, performers so particularly for drummers if you want to test yourself if you want to explore your instrument jazz is is kind of where you go and that's because of the inherently improvisational quality of it yeah improvisation and just it's one of those art forms where you are you're trying to explore you're seeking to impress and so you yeah you're seeking to kind of push the boundaries um and as a drummer technically yeah it, it pushes you so and also you get a solo you know i'm thinking i listen mm. to a lot of jazz quintet kind of stuff or particularly i used to anyway i still do a bit but you, you might easily get a quite long drum solo where mm. you're going to have to pull something out of thin air and the keyboards pull back uh, the saxophonist stops for a bit and it's all over to you and the and the bass, and then the bass gets their own 
solo as well. I've never I've never liked bass solos. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just bring things full circle, I went to a Genesis concert in 1986 where Phil wow. Collins played a 10 minute drum solo. Wow. Um, I had never experienced such a thing before. Uh, I'm not sure I want to again, but it was it was great to have that in the in the context of a rock concert. It was quite unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, the the drum solo is is a yeah. The drum so bass solos are the butt of all jazz jokes. Okay. Uh drum solos are the kind of most egotistical and long-winded <laughs> solos you get. And the thing about jazz is you just never know when the band leader might turn to you and go drum solo. Um so okay. you you kind of you're always on the seat of your seat of your pants and uh, mm. yeah, uh, ready for it. I feel like for the second episode in a row I'm going to get to do a spinal tap jingle. Oh, uh, because I love that, when, by the way. <laughs> we're talking about Drummers, yeah. Uh, yeah, he died in a bizarre gardening accident. For me, my gateway into jazz uh, was initially Charlie Brown. So I used to love watching Charlie Brown. Um, it was on the TV in the UK. And it was actually part, it was a mix of the tone of the show, but also the music. And the music was just like, I want all music to be like this. This mm. is amazing. And you, and you just wouldn't hear it anywhere else because mm. uh, it was so it was su- such a specific vibe and tone. How did it make you feel, James? Unbelievably cool for a start. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but weirdly not cool because everybody, when you're 15, hates jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, at school, so I learned the trumpet and then played in a big band at school, which was really cool. But it was never quite as cool as the music that I wanted to play, which was sort of veering into that Horace Silver, Bill Evans jazz quintet stuff. And I, I wish I'd learned the piano, really. And actually, still now I listen to jazz. When Apple got the latest uh, Snoopy in Space series, the actual um, animation, the comedy, as it were, I think it's really average at best. It's very preachy and expositional. But there's a couple of tracks on that which are so transcendently, wonderfully, beautifully fantastic. I can't stop listening to them. And for me, there's just something about the music which is as close as to I get to being really emotional. And I'm not a particularly emotional person. And I don't really know why that is. And it's puzzled me for a long time. And it's because, well, how can I get so emotional about it? There aren't any words telling me what to think, telling me what the song is about. Uh, which is, of course, partly where some of the roots of jazz come from, isn't it? Um, mm. So maybe why don't we get into that roots of jazz stuff and then maybe we can look at when when jazz takes on a life of its own and doesn't require singing lyrics. You know, what, where did jazz come from originally? Yeah, so that is, that's something that I've um, got quite into and um, have got a little event called The Roots of Jazz because, interestingly, it's rooted in the gospel. So obviously... Um, it's related to blues music. Blues music would, yeah, be be secular. It was based on the woes and struggles of those caught up in in the slave trade, singing first work songs as they were in the field and expressing their emotions about the situation they found themselves in. That was the root of blues music. But amazingly, um, in in the the sort of great revival that happened around the same time, many of them were hearing the gospel were taken along either to their white slave owners church or went along to things called hush harbors uh, or or, um, praise events where they would go along and hear the gospel 
And as they heard the gospel, it completely reshaped the tone of their music, of course, because now they had a, a joy and a hope uh, through that suffering. And uh, yeah, that is that is the roots of jazz uh, in, in a nutshell, I guess. And um, yeah, just absolutely fascinated by that, both as a lover of jazz and a, a lover of Jesus. It's really interesting how you talk about those Christian roots as well, because I guess we always start history slightly late. And so looking back, you think, well, you know, um, the black roots of jazz would obviously mean that it has a religious background, it has a Christian background, but you think there's nothing inherently Christian about formerly African slaves. You know, Africa wasn't a hotbed of, of Christianity. So at some point there was a sense in which there was a revival amongst the slave population uh, of the US. And we, we just tend to assume it was inevitable. But actually, the more you think about it, the more incredibly counterculturally surprising it is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's entirely and highly unlikely that yeah, those who are being oppressed by these uh, white Christians would, would turn to the gospel. But yeah, I guess reveals the miracle of the work of the Spirit, doesn't it? Um, yeah. That even in that, um, yeah, they could find hope in Christ. And that in itself is a gospel message, isn't it? Because obviously... Mm you know, uh, Christianity has some roots in slavery itself uh, when, it, mm. when it talks about going back to Egypt. And I think you, you pick up on one of those, one or two of those things in, in the Roots of Jazz show, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that was, yeah, they they found an affinity with the Israelites themselves and the story of the Exodus. Uh, and many of those early gospel spirituals are around the story of the Exodus or, uh, yeah, finding themselves in a, in a new foreign land in the wilderness and, and that sort of thing. So they, yeah, they found their own story yeah, in, in the story of, of the Bible. And yeah, we're able to, to relate to that in, in a deeper level than I guess most of us can. So why don't Christians like jazz then, John? <laughs> uh... Well, you were saying, we were talking before, you said they kind of do as background yeah, music. I was about to say that, yeah. Mm. I think Christians have a strange affinity for jazz in that, yeah, I remember as a, as a new young Christian in, at the CU that, uh, and, and you know, knowing that I played jazz, I was often asked to get a band together to play, uh, yeah, at an evangelistic event, which I always found a bit strange, but I didn't mind as long as I was getting the opportunity to play some jazz. So we would, yeah, have a little band in the corner and somehow the gospel would be sledgehammered into that event and... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we I don't just... know what you're talking about. Uh... <laughs> uh, that continued into my yeah, uh, early uh, years in churches. And that was why this event, the Roots of Jazz, came about, because I just wasn't happy with that. I wasn't happy with just being a band in the back, background, with the gospel being sledgehammered in through a testimony or something. Yeah. Um, when the actual roots of what you're playing is fundamentally Christian and, and about uh, li liberation and freedom from slavery, uh, mm. in in a spiritual sense to sin yeah exactly bill edgar has had done a lot of work on that and i uh heard some of what he'd done and and he was a huge inspiration for then me going away and, and doing a lot more work on that and that's where the the event the roots of jazz yeah came from the thing is we don't really seem to to mind borrowing musical genre in the church from places which are transparently completely secular hmm. you know given that most bands currently sound like basically a sort of a version of like 70s or 80s soft rock that's been slightly upgraded towards Coldplay or U2 or something. You know, it's got that vague stadium rock. It always makes me laugh, actually, when you've got like a worship leader who's clearly modelled himself on that and 
those sorts of sounds are basically modeled for a stadium and you are in a room that's literally got about, I don't know, 80 people in it. And there's that kind of tone of voice that they get with sounds like, and now, now we're going to sing this and that. And you're like, yeah. mate, you're not talking to 4,000 people. You're, yeah. it's just these people. So, with our lighters in the air. Yeah. But all of that to say, it's interesting that we don't seem to have any problem there with, as it were, borrowing from secular music. So even if jazz didn't have demonstrably Christian origins, it still throws up the question, well, why is it that we don't see more services maybe that that perhaps used, used that style or just more Christians who seem to uh, embrace it? Do you have any thoughts on why that might be? Well, I think if you went to the Pentecostal church, you would you would see a lot more influence of jazz music in, in their style. And, oh boy, I wish we had that in my church. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it is rooted in in the history of... of uh, african-american people and in, and in black culture and and so where i think you're in you might find yourself in a, in a more um a church that is more highly populated by black people you would you would see more influences of of jazz harmonies and therefore sort of the gospel music of the 60s 70s 80s and then 90s sort of the, the kirk franklins and stuff like that um mm. and oh i'd love it i would love that <laughs> If that were in my church, I'm, I'm I'm training up my son at the moment. He's listening uh, to Kurt Franklin day and night, uh, and uh, is is learning those harmonies, uh, training him up for a future of leading some better music in our church. What he say, Cooper? What he say? I'm, I'm genuinely curious about this. Would, how would you describe the kind of style of jazz that you like to play best? I mean, is it more, I don't even know if these terms are completely redundant now, but sort of traditional, modern, like what, how would you bracket it? Or is that a very ugly question to ask? Uh, no, it's not an ugly question, no. Um, it's an ignorant question, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a good one. Give Welcome me some to the words show. to say uh, <laughs> to describe what, you, so that I can now ask this question. If you've never heard Cooper and Kerry have words before, this is how we roll. Yeah, yeah this is all normal. <laughs> no, no, no. Mm. Um, yeah, jazz is very broad. Uh, I would probably be a fairly tame jazzer. Um, I, I, like playing, I like playing most styles. Um, the, the, the good thing about the broadness of it is that there's there are many different styles to explore uh, and they are sort of united in in many ways there's rag ragtime would kind of be early and then you got your trad jazz as well from those sort of yeah beginning of the 20th century and then it morphed into several different styles so as it morphed out of uh, moved out of New Orleans and into Chicago and New York it became a little bit more sophisticated uh, a little bit more organized but then a little bit the that experimental side of jazz continued and um that's when you get the sort of um 60s and, and 70s the miles davis the cold trains pushing the boundaries in different ways approaching sort of um modal jazz and bebop and those sort of things and those are great great to play as well i love i love that style of music it's yeah continues to be creative and, and based around improvisation so it's still a lot of fun to play and then you get into the more yeah contemporary jazz that is just a little bit out there uh, and you've got to be probably smoking something to really enjoy it. <laughs> right. Plenty of incense in the service for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, so I was going to ask you about that. Do you think it's, um, I want to say, you know, Jonathan, you've, you, 
there's bits in the Bible about God being a God of order and not of chaos, of of of, of peace and and harmony, um, and not uh, chaos and disorder. So, what business have we got with, you know, dealing with musical genres, which are all about kind of tearing up the rule books, and at least to the no. uninitiated like me. Yes, I know, I know, I know. It's, it can sometimes sound sort of quite, um, you know, like a cacophonous noise. Um, yeah. Some people might say. Uh, yeah, and what, it makes what, people what, angry. You know, yeah. jazz genuinely can make people properly yeah. furious. And do you think, I mean, where, where do we, how should we be rightly thinking about these things as, as Christian people? Yeah, there's a, well, there's a few things in there to, to jump off of, but I guess firstly the the ordered nature of it. There, there's something about jazz that is is both disordered and ordered. So there are structures within jazz. Uh, there are yeah th- things about jazz that as when you come together as a as a group, you know what's going to happen even before it, you know it's, it's happened. You know you get to the end of a tune. And you just know it's going to go da 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 bum. You know, you just you just feel that, and 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 you That's roll with that. That's one of my favourites. I like that one. Yeah, it's a great ending. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the twelve bar blues. There's there are there's there's um, rhythm changes. There's all these different orders to jazz, but within that, there's also the opportunity to explore and create. And so, I guess the answer to your question, you know, how can we, uh, how do we respond to that as Christians and and see the goodness in that? You know, we are as with art and as you've discussed before on, on your podcast we, we are creative beings we're made in the image of god who likes to create a god who created something from nothing and and in jazz that's exactly what you're you're sort of doing although the, at the same time there are rules and order beneath that there are harmonies that you've you've learned there are chord changes you've learned there are scales and modes that you've learned that fit or don't fit and sometimes you want a, a bit of both of that because you want a, a slight distance that's going to resolve. And yeah, there's so much in there. I think that's so important. I, I think the the orderliness of jazz is is beautiful. And we've talked before about the oughtness of endings with regard to story. But there's an oughtness to music as well. And actually, I would say truly chaotic music is the romance classical music where you have a, a symphony, uh, which you don't really know where it's going. It's like a story that is unpredictable whereas you know music uh, jazz which is fundamentally also from ragtime really isn't it that feels like the J.S. Bach of jazz is Scott Joplin and you know you've got the you've got the theme and the variations you've got the the key changes and stuff and so whenever a jazz track is is sort of riffing in some direction we we know it's going to land at some point it's going to resolve itself and and I think we see that in the Bible as well. I think I've really been thinking a lot about um, the story of the Bible and the stories. And they just go round and round and round in slightly bigger loops and with variations. So, for example, God's appearances at wells in Genesis um, and at springs. So you get you, you get Jacob at a well and uh, you get Isaac meeting his uh, his wife at a well so on his behalf. He's not there. And then you get Hagar. Uh, who is cast out, you know, she is also at a well. And then later on, you get Jesus with the Samaritan woman at a well. And so there are just all of these cycles within scripture of a theme that's been established and is repeated, but in a uh, modified form. And in a way, the, the modification is the interesting bit. Otherwise, it's just flat repetition. And to some extent, nobody wants that. 
And so if we as God's image bearers are recreated in his image, we're going to take his patterns and make them ever more uh, complex. But fundamentally, they're still going to be using the same order. And then, mm. this, and then occasionally it just sort of feels like it's really become disconnected from the order. And that's when it really starts to sound hard. If you're really experienced on this stuff, you sort of know that it's going to end in a sort of a pleasing way. But then sometimes it doesn't. And that's what makes it interesting. And that's when I guess the visual equivalent is anti-art, which is, here you go, pile of bricks on the ground. Is that art? To which the answer is, well, mm, not really, but thanks for asking the question. Um, but isn't uh, there a jazz equivalent of the pile of bricks? Yeah. Uh, and and I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, as a, as a believer, should we embrace that and say, actually, no, this says something really important about, I don't know, dissonance or something in a world without God, which is the standard sort of take modern justification for everything that's in there? Um, or um, do we say, actually, you know what, we're, we're, we're people of hope, um, we do believe in an ultimate resolution, and therefore we're, we're, we're looking to to explore musical genres where we can actually demonstrate that, or or subgenres. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think a lot of music, some of the well, I think yeah, the best music comes out of mistakes as well. And I think that's that's what jazz shows you all the way through that all these different genres that come out of it. You know, they, they, they often say that there's no wrong notes in jazz. Uh, not entirely true, but um, you know, the best. The best things come out of mistakes. My, my son, as I was saying, is getting into music uh, quite considerably. He's doing his GCSE composition at the moment, and I, I was listening to it. And I said, oh, I love that bit. And he said, oh, yeah, I played that chord by accident, but I, li- I liked it, so I kept it in. And, you know, that's th- that often, it, the more you explore, improvise, it's it's when when you do that, when you're creating, uh, often it's through your mistakes that you, you find, oh, yeah, no, I like, I like the sound of that. Let's, let's riff with that. Um, see where it takes us. John Stampy Peeps. Great, great uh, tall, blonde geek with glasses. Uh, Good drummer. Great look, good drummer. Yeah, yeah, fine drummer. What happened to him? He died. He, He died in a bizarre gardening accident. Just another thing about, so yeah, as you were saying, the sort of repeated patterns found in scripture, you know, I guess it's worth saying for those who are, who don't know much about jazz what you get in jazz is you get the tune you get the theme what's called the head um which you'll play once or twice and then you're left to then improvise uh, mm. and you'll go but you're still going round that same head that same chord sequence but mm. you're creating new melodic ideas you're you're riffing off the theme you're um creating your own theme that's kind of how jazz works and what's interesting is you know we've been doing this event the roots of jazz for i think about seven or eight years we play the same tunes every time but we're not bored of it because actually each time it sounds different because each time someone will improvise differently or we'll have a new member of the band will come in and play with us or um, someone will take it a slightly different direction and also Um, you're just in a different room yeah you know it's just like it's it's a thursday and it just sounds different because it's a thursday you know, yeah. or it's a, actually, I mean, here's the weird one. It's a full moon. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's a thing within live music performance, but within comedy, audiences are weird on full moons. That's wow. just, that's just, uh, you know, any stand, any experienced stand up comedian will say, yeah, I don't understand it either, but there's definitely something in it. Full moons, audiences are weird. <laughs> Sidebar, yeah. one for another time. Yeah. 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 The kind of the repeating um, refrain thing is is interesting i was saying to you, to you guys just before we, we we started recording 
the, the two albums that I, I bought on CD because I, I kept seeing them listed as you know some of the greatest albums ever made in this genre. And I thought, I really need to understand this. So I bought A Love Supreme by John Coltrane and uh, Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. And there's that wonderful thing. I mean, I didn't get it at the time, but having subsequently sort of listened to it a lot more and read about it, there is that wonderful thing at the end of the first movement, I think it is, of, of A Love Supreme, where you have the the four notes, A Love Supreme, A Love Supreme, and he does it in 12 different keys at the end. So he does all the different mm. keys. So again, that speaks to the variation thing that you were talking about, the, the idea being, and it's a, quite a cerebral thing, that he's communicating wherever you look that love supreme exists. It doesn't, you can't go anywhere to escape a love supreme. God's love is, is everywhere in everything. And he obviously made it as a very self-consciously spiritual uh, piece of work, which is probably why people like Philip Larkin really hated it because as a died in the wall sort of atheist, he wasn't keen on that sort of thing, found it a bit pompous. Um, but yeah, the idea that jazz is this sort of slightly there's no wrong notes kind of idea. Um, when you, the more you read about it, the more you think this is, this is, there's a deep order here that the best practitioners are, are adhering to and thinking of, even in the, the variation. As I say, we, we, we perform quite regularly as a group, but often we're, we're short of saxophonists. So someone will phone up a friend, we need a saxophonist next week. Could you come and play? And, and we'll, We'll not have time to rehearse and they'll just slot in because they know the patterns they know the routine and then and when i second half i'll often say oh this is the first time we've played with so and so and the audience is you know dumbfounded can't understand and how long did you rehearse oh 10 minutes before the show you know it's jazz is like that in fact the first time we ever did the roots of jazz i think i said to you guys um i i had come up with this idea i'd sent out the charts um here's the, here's the songs i want to do here's a rough idea of where i want to take them uh it'd be great if we can get it together at five o'clock event starts at 7 30 we'll have a couple of hours to rehearse and we can rest before the performance and the saxophonist the last member of the band rocked up at 7 p.m um and it was just it was a yeah fly by the seat of your pants event which Jazz is at its best when it's like that. And I think that was probably the best one we've ever done just because it was raw. It was, that's how jazz should be. Um, and it worked. And, and it, yeah, we kept doing it ever since. But um, Do you think audiences yeah. are more forgiving because they know it's improvisational? A little bit like with, with comedy. Do you think that, you know, that's, that's a thing or not? I think, I think definitely, yeah. But I think also jazz is one of those musics where the people playing it are enjoying it a lot more than the audience quite often. <laughs> um, uh, 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 but in a way that's not a bad thing because it, that is uh, contagious and um, you know I've got one of our players Andre Brown he's a, an amazing saxophonist He and when he's on our gig it's just phenomenal because he lives it he breathes it and he he just draws the crowd along with him uh, and uh, yeah and, and I think that's the thing the other thing to say about jazz is it is storytelling and that's why I, you know I, I know you guys all that's why I imagine James loves it because it is jazz's storytelling and and you're, you're telling a story as you improvise you're maybe you're telling your own story maybe you're creating a story off the top of your head but it is storytelling and and that is at the heart of of jazz partly because of where it came from it's rooted in the gospel but it is expressing it's expressing a joy um and as Bill Edgar talks about when he talks about the roots of jazz it's it's an expressing a joy that kind of is is it inexpressible in any other way because it's come through sorrow it's come through difficulty and hardship it's true joy it's not 
it's it's deeper than happiness happiness is kind of a, a shortcut joy is it's come through the other side of suffering uh, and so yeah jazz is it's, it is a deep art form and james was saying you know that he's when he listens to it he finds himself being more emotional than he might with other forms and i think that's that's probably because that's the heart of it. it is it's telling a story um and you can mm. relate to it yeah except the the old conservative evangelical in me is going what do you mean a story what 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 story is this? So what? There's no what is words. It, what, are there? Does a G There's represent a man, yeah. <laughs> and is an F a dog? Um, and so when it goes from G to F, it's like a man taking a dog for a walk. Is that? And then he what does he do? Fall in a river? What's the story? <laughs> no, he plays a saxophone, doesn't he? You know, put it put it like that. Obviously, it's it's idiotic, <laughs> and I'm I am parodying for effect and comedy, uh, but that's my job. Um, <laughs> but th- there's just a. I just always want to push back against this notion that something should be, I don't, I don't get it. Stop. It's like, no, no, no. If you don't get it, then keep listening. Mm. And, you know, it's a bit like the conversation we had with Ali Gordon uh, about art recently, about when you go to a gallery, just have a look at the painting and Mm. just look and, and what does it make you think of? And, Mm. It's, we're, we're so obsessed with right and wrong answers. What is this mm. painting meant to be saying to me? Mm. It's like, look, if it could be summed up in a sentence, then the artist should have just written a sentence right. and written mm. a book or a poem. Yeah, um, that's what David Lynch always says in interviews. What's the film about, David? And he's like, the 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 film is the speaking. Yeah, You're like <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the point. But, but the thing is that people don't have a problem with classical music. Those, the same people you're talking about who would have an issue with jazz because there's no story wouldn't have an issue with something else instrumental like classical, right? Or, or the circuitous way in which the Bible is written. So yeah. when Jesus says something or doesn't say something, and it's clearly a reference to something somewhere else, and that in itself is a reference to something that took place in Genesis chapter 7 or 3 or whatever, and we might be able to say, well, why didn't you just say that? <laughs> It's like, well, but it wouldn't have been as good if I just said it, would it? Well, mm. I think we would have all found it much more helpful. Mm. And so, so in a way, you know, jazz is one of these things where uh, it's just just listen. And if you don't like, if you still don't like it, if you listen to it, then that's fine. But there's no point mm. in being angry that it, you can't relate to it. Um, in the same yeah. way that you can watch a football match or sport. My, one of my favourite lines from Faulty Towers is when uh, Major says to him, uh, Hampshire won at, at cricket. And Fawlty says, oh, did it? Which is what you would never say, <laughs> you know, Tottenham won. Oh, did it? No, no, no. So did they? Did you? Did we? Not, wait, what? And so that just shows a complete tin ear for competitive sport that I just think in one tiny little word so says good. so much. Yeah. But again, the fact that it was expressed in that way is just itself just joyful, isn't it? It's just yeah. that one little... That little moment. Um, anyway, rant, rant briefly over, or at least paused. <laughs> Cooper and Carey have words. Nice. And it's interesting because Barry was asking, what, you know, why do why do people hate jazz? And I think the problem is that so often it's probably because they've either just heard it in the elevator, uh, or they've you know Pizza Express or um, in the background somewhere. Mm. But 
when people come to our event so often people come up after us and say i didn't know it's going to be that good um mm. and and i mean that's sounding a little bit arrogant it's not it's not me it's the rest of it but it, it is that kind of you know jazz music live is is something else and i would encourage people to to, to get to a live gig because that storytelling element you have to experience you have to be there uh, and like I say, with this 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 guy Andre, when he plays, you know, we've had some saxophonists who come along who are technically brilliant. You know, they know all the scales to play, um, and you know, technically they're they're phenomenal. But they don't actually tell the story as they do it. Uh, you you don't feel it as they play it. Um, they've learnt the chops. They've learnt you know all the all the the, th- the theory, but they don't feel it. Whereas Andre, when he plays, you know. It's just it's just oozing out from him, and and he draws everyone along with him because he's he's telling that story. Um, There's something about being in the room. I mean, Barry, mm. think back to your days when you trod the boards. Mm. I mean, there must have been moments that were just electrifying, uh, and mm. you were probably on stage for some of them. Um, for, statistically, for me, it's yeah, very yeah, likely. I'm not sure about not sure about the audience, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, but do you know definitely. what I mean? There's just like yeah, yeah. it's in the room, yeah. transcendent, isn't it? Can you, you think you of an example that of that? Um, I think I, I can think of lots. Um, I mean, there, yeah, you, the time when I was at the National doing doing a show, I remember it, it had never happened to me before, actually, but I got I got emotional at all the spots I was supposed to get emotional. So there was a real sense of being taken over by the character and feeling the sadness that he would have felt and expressing mm. that appropriately. And sensing from the audience that there was a there was a sense of hearts coming out towards you mm. as you do it. And yes, as you say, you can only get that if you're in the in the room. It is something magical, and and in itself is a sort of a an apologetic, isn't it? You 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 know well this this makes no sense if we're just a bunch of atoms bumping around in the room, but the fact that we feel these things says something very significant about the nature of the universe. Absolutely, yeah. uh, and I think jazz does that in a in a way that a lot of art forms other musical forms don't allow you to do it because you do have that freedom to really express yourself um but equally yeah you know they're a beautiful piece of romantic music if you're playing it you can get caught away in the moment as you're playing it. i'm sure it could could draw you to tears and it certainly you know, yeah can the audience i mean I, I it's interesting just just thinking about you know somebody who's who's a preacher and i preach regularly on a sunday i often find myself it's when i'm stood up there and i'm preaching the gospel and i'm seeing the faces in front of me and i'm seeing people acknowledge it in front Mm. of me and i'm not prepared for it but the gospel hits me personally again and it affects me emotionally as i see them i'm not always a baller in the pulpit but every now and again i yeah you know i I do well up i can't help myself it's um i'm seeing the story of the gospel impacting people's lives in front of me and i'm being reminded again of of uh, the work of christ in me i've had that exact experience in the last few years i think it's also having kids that turned you into a bit more of a crybaby yeah um i don't know is that fair barry you've had kids more recently than me as it were have you noticed a bit of a change yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm away from home right now and I've only got to walk down the street and see a little sort of three-year-old toddling along with her mittens hanging out of the bottom of her anorak and that's it, I'm gone. And Barry um, bursts into tears and the poor three-year-old's <laughs> looking at him just that's like, right. well, this is embarrassing. It's normally me the one that bursts into tears. <laughs> that's right. We need a restraining order over here. Um, 
so there is that. I think the other thing, just talking about the preaching thing, and I guess this ties in with the music as well, is that there is a wonderful sense, I think, when you in those moments when you're preaching, you're right. It's absolutely that dimension of seeing people respond to the beauty of the gospel. But there's also that inner sense, isn't there, that you're, mm. you've sort of found the groove that you're meant to be in. You know, you're feeling God's pleasure as you do this thing that you are you were created to do. And mm. I suppose that must be similar to what artists feel you know jazz jazz musicians feel when things are mm. when when things align as a group you also in jazz you feel more connected than you do in a lot of art, other art forms because the whole time you're communicating you know the, the fact that you don't know uh, whose solo's next or you know where's this improvisation going to go the whole time you're you're connected you're communicating uh, and, and i love that about jazz um uh, yeah it is it's such a sort of organic thing but also you, you you work together as a band in a way that you wouldn't uh in, in necessarily in other groups and i guess yeah that relates to the church doesn't it where we yeah we're supposed to be relational um and jazz really does bring that out just words of good words that's where ideas begin maybe you should listen to them i think this helps us understand eternity as well i think we particularly now have a real problem understanding and being excited about being with God forever and the new heavens and the new earth because there's there's an element of what what are we going to do yeah because everything's done isn't it (laughs) it's like no um and so you get a taste of it in the last battle the further up and further in Mm. Um, which is still quite nebulous, actually. I don't. I've never found that quite as helpful as other people seem to find it. But I, you know, it, it resonates with me. But it doesn't explain everything. But I think this idea that you can just tell the same story again and again in a different way, in a different way, and how we tell that story in thirty years' time will feel different from how we told it thirty years ago. And if we keep doing that forever, it's going to feel different forever. Uh, and it's going to go. We're going to go from glory to glory because also we're getting better at stuff. And also that that's true about a finite creation. So if you then transpose that to a situation where you're reacting to an infinite, mm. non-created being, you you need eternity by definition. Yeah. Mm. Right. We live in a golden age of scripted television, uh, I, I keep being told, um, <laughs> but, says the script writer who doesn't seem to be catching much of that, much yeah. of the gold. Um, <laughs> but it's being sort of apparently hosed around at writers generally. But what's weird is people are now so, people are almost angry that there's so much decent television to watch and they're falling behind as like, oh my goodness, oh, there's so much to watch uh, and they feel hopeless and cross. And one of them, one of the things that I would want to say is, it feels to me like we're getting better at television. That's good, isn't it? And people, but nobody seems to be terribly happy about it because they would like to contain the amount of stuff so that they get to sort of master all of it and be in the know on the next big thing. But we do get better at things, including the arts. I mean, look back a thousand years and how church singing was. There was this amazing revolution when they said, how about if we had a harmony? How about if there was some other dude singing underneath in a way that sounded like it was like related to the tune and people just blew their minds and then they tried it with three and then four. But these things happened really slowly, didn't they? I mean, really slowly. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm looking a lot of, uh, I'm reading a lot about the medieval church at the moment and just the pace of change was incredibly slow. And then you're born into this, you know, you're born into 
the, the, the late 20th, early 21st century. And suddenly there's a whole load of stuff that's just a given um, because we are fulfilling the the mandate. I think sometimes, again, I, I keep returning to this theme. Sorry, Barry. But we keep thinking that we're not getting anywhere and that we're not making disciples of all nations and that we're not fulfilling the creation mandate. And we are. Because it's, it's you know, I'm going to quote the year literally as an argument. It's 2022, for goodness sake. Uh, so we literally are. Uh, I'm thrilled that I've been able to quote the year genuinely as an argument. I was convinced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. That's how it works. And I think jazz really shows that in a, quite a pure form, in my view. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Like, I'm going to just slightly push back on that and say, Please do. I, I think that whilst we... We can we can certainly say we've got technically better about creating TV. You know, 4K is probably better than you know watching 576 lines of resolution or whatever. There's certainly an argument that we're less good at doing things like what some the the average plot that you see on Netflix or the average yeah that like there's there's if you're asking the question about what the art is is achieving, isn't there a sort of a point at which you get there's a sort of possible regression you know the second law of thermodynamics of you know drama and sitcom kicks in and you start you know maybe not being quite so um developed as or, or as successful artistically as you were 20 30 years ago i don't know i think you're talking about moral degeneracy and the fact that our stories are becoming degenerate yeah, i guess i am there's a, I, I would partially agree but for, but firstly we can just tell stories differently so that quite often our the, the dark part of the story is darker than we're used to, and therefore mm. it looks really godless. But there aren't that many that hold their nerve and stay there. Most of them have to have, you know, even Breaking Bad, I believe, has to have some kind of, I, I've not seen it, but mm -hmm. Game of Thrones would be one where the kind of like the very ending of Game of Thrones is like, it was, it was infuriating to people because it was really... Mainstream. It was really like, oh, okay, kind of all turned out all right then. Jonathan, it was really good to, to talk to you. If people wanted to um, get in touch with you or have the Roots of Jazz event at their venue, um, how would they go about doing that? We book up. We're pretty busy, but uh, we love we love doing the event. Um, so we're therootsofjazz.org uh, is our website, and you can email at therootsofjazzevent.org.uk, I think. But the website, the email address is on the website. Uh, I've handed that over to somebody else now who organises it. Uh, he books all the events. Um, yeah, we've got a few coming up, um, but I think we've got four of them in March, uh, a couple in April. Um, so there may be one near you. If you go to Up and Coming Events, there's a little tab there, uh, and you can see where they are. Um, okay. And with with Passion for Life events coming up all over UK, we are getting booked up fast. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of which, and the reason this conversation is partly happening is, I'm I'm doing a gig at John's Church um, called uh, Water into Wine. It's a it's another slightly surprising evangelistic event that uh, that people seem to be to be liking. So we're looking forward um, to it. Yeah, yeah. No, it should be should be fun. Great. Thanks very much, John. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. You can email us, uh, cooperandcary at gmail.com. We, we continue to persevere with Facebook uh, to little uh, avail, I think. We're slightly more active on Twitter, Cooper and Carey, uh, on the tweets, and also on Instagram. Isn't that right, Barry? We're still, on, we're still Instaring, aren't we? 
Yes, yes, we are. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, thanks, John, for being with us. Pleasure. And we'll speak to you next time. Cheerio. Bye. I should probably go and write some jokes. <laughs> Barry, you should. You need to go out and uh, not cry in front of some three-year-old children. <laughs> <laughs>